ESPN Radio. Tons of breaking news out of the NFL. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, ESPN Plus, and Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. I am Amber Wilson. He's Chris Canty. You can tweet to us at ChrisCanty99, at AmberW790. You can also join the conversation on the Canty call-in line, 1-888-SAY-ESPN. That is 888-729-3776. So I mentioned lots of breaking news out of the NFL, the biggest of which is probably the largest trade it's being called in NFL history, where after a couple weeks of negotiations, our very own Adam Schefter is reporting that the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos have agreed to terms for a deal involving Super Bowl winning quarterback Russell Wilson. He is now a Denver Bronco in return. The Seahawks get a haul, and that does include Drew Locke, but it also includes a bunch of picks. So they are in rebuild mode. Also, the breaking news before that, a couple hours before that today, we learned finally the destination of Aaron Rodgers this upcoming season, and he is staying in Green Bay. He made us wait for six <laughs> weeks, Chris Canty, to find out that he's maintaining the status quo and he is staying put. Also, the Packers have franchise tagged Devontae Adams as well. So not much changing there, Chris, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Does this mean now that the Packers are the favorites in the NFC? Well, I mean, the Packers were the favorite in the NFC last year. They had the number one record in the conference going into the playoffs. They got bounced in the divisional round by the 49ers, but they were the favorites. The year prior to that, they were the favorites, and they got bounced in the NFC Championship game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I think they're right up there. But if I'm choosing one team, I'm going to go with the reigning defending Super Bowl champion, the L.A. Rams, because I have a feeling that a lot of the pieces on that defensive side of the ball are going to remain intact. They're going to give both Matt Stafford and Aaron Donald monster extensions this summer. And based on what we've seen from them, this is a team now that understands the blueprint in order to win. They showed that they're capable of being able to dominate in what is considered the toughest division in all of football. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the L.A. Rams until, you know, otherwise notified. I'm going to go with them as being the favorites. The Green Bay Packers are getting to that territory for me, Amber, where they're the boy who cried wolf. It seems like every year we have that expectation with Aaron Rodgers winning MVPs that they're going to compete at a championship level, and it just doesn't happen once we get into the postseason. Now, maybe it's because Aaron Rodgers is a different quarterback. Maybe it's because Matt LaFleur is a different coach. Maybe it's the moment too big. Whatever the reason is, they just don't perform in the postseason like we would expect them to based on what we see from them in the regular season, whereas when we look at the L.A. Rams, their performance actually got better once they got into the postseason. They were a better team when we saw them in the division, in the wild card round against the Arizona Cardinals, which they dominated at home. They went down in Tampa and had an impressive victory where Matt Stafford, at the end of that game, throws a dime to Cooper Cup. And then in the NFC title game against the 49ers, the team that Sean McVay and the LA Rams just couldn't get past, the team that had beaten them six straight, they found a way to be able to win that game in the fourth quarter. So I'm really impressed with the L.A. Rams and what they've done on that playoff run, and I think that level of confidence is going to bleed over into what what we're going to see from them in 2022. So they're the favorites, but I would have the Green Bay Packers on a short list of teams that I would expect can get to Super Bowl 57.
if we were doing regular season odds, we'd probably both have our money on Green Bay. They yeah. finished last regular season, right, as the better team. That's believable. I understand what you're doing there, though, with the Rams. And obviously, we just saw the Rams get it done. My concern with the Rams is I don't know if they're going to have their pieces to run it back. I know that we heard a lot of run it back, run it back, run it back at the Super Bowl parade. I just don't know if that's actually happening. I think that they're in a position to do it. You mentioned that you expect Stafford to get an extension and Donald to get an extension. Donald was talking about flirting with the idea of retirement. Are they going to be able to bring back Von Miller? What's happening with OBJ? Is he going to come back? What's happening with the injury? So there's a lot of pieces there for the Rams before I am willing to say, okay, they can definitely run it back and I'd make them the favorites until that happens I'm sticking with the Packers because at least now I know the Packers are going to look like that team that was the best team in the regular season in the NFC ESPN are Radio is presented are they though well, I'll let you, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Who else would you have on your regular season no, list? No, no, Obviously, no, no. Tampa's not no, in the conversation anymore. No, no. I'm just saying you said the Green Bay Packers are going to have the same core of players intact that they had this past year. With monster extensions for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, I get it. It's going to lower their cap hit for this upcoming season, but they still got some tough decisions to make. What are you going to do with Preston Smith? I get that Zadarius Smith wasn't around for the majority of the season, but you got to decide on what you're going to do with him. What are you going to do with Devondre Campbell, who played at an all-pro level, who's going to be an impending free agent? He's going to want his bag. I mean, you got Robert Tanyan that's going to be a free agent. You you got a lot of pieces on that Packers team. Billy Turner, he's got a cap number that you got to make a decision on. Mason Crosby, what are you going to do with his contract? There are a lot of pieces on this Green Bay team that they're going to have to address. Adrian Amos, another one, their safety. They got to take a look at that cap number, that cap hit, and whether or not the juice is worth the squeeze. So there are a lot of key pieces, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that Green Bay is going to have to make some tough decisions. So I don't know if I necessarily agree with you. I think there's a better chance that more of the core players from the L.A. Rams return than we see core players from the Green Bay Packers. But that was supposed to be the purpose of being able to rework a new deal here with Aaron Rodgers was to help with that cap hit, right? And same with Devontae Adams if they're able to work one out here even though they just tagged him. It seems like a key piece of getting the deal done. And listen, right now we have conflicting reports. We're getting reports that Aaron Rodgers' deal is, you know, $200 million four years and then Aaron Rodgers is out here on Twitter denying that he even has a deal in place yet even though he has affirmed that he is returning to Green Bay. However, Ever that deal is structured, Chris, I would imagine it to be very back end heavy, which probably doesn't bode well for the future of the Packers, because then you're talking about a dude who's going to be an insane cap hit in his 40s. But right now in the interim, he'll probably put them in a position where they can run it back and keep that team from this past season, at least as together as you could expect them to be able to maintain right at this point. And some of that does come down to Devonte Adams as well. And whether they're able to work out this deal or whether he ends up riding with this tag for this season. No, they're going to, they're going to get a, a deal done with Devonte Adams. There's no way I mean, they better, but play. some of that's up yeah. to Adams too, right? Like I know, cause you and, cause you and I discussed earlier, both of us believe that in these conversations with Aaron Rodgers, that part of those conversations must be with the front office. You have to give my boy Devonte Adams a yeah. deal, but Adams yeah. has to agree to the deal too as well. Cause I'm surprised it wasn't already done. I mean, I'm surprised that we didn't get the news of the Adams deal and the Rodgers deal simultaneously. And frankly, I think this whole conversation you and I are having is 
exactly why Aaron Rodgers should have told the Green Bay Packers what he was doing six weeks ago because these conversations would have been easier and all those other players that you just mentioned working out their deals, trying to keep them, would have been easier if we'd had this conversation or we'd had this information weeks ago. No doubt about it, but Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, the two are inextricably linked. Like Aaron Rodgers, there was no way he was going to sign up for another tour of duty in Green Bay without having Devontae Adams on a long-term deal. And so I think the reason why we're hearing reports about the Rodgers deal before we get the Adams deal is because the framework is probably a little more complex because the numbers are bigger. Aaron Rodgers is going to be upwards of $50 million a season, whereas Devontae Adams is going to be somewhere in the high 20s, maybe even closing in on $30 million a season. That's a lot of money, but it's not quite what you're going to have to commit to Aaron Rodgers. So that's why I think you're probably getting that news first. But I would be shocked, shocked if we get out of this week without Devontae Adams getting a new deal. And certainly we know something has to happen before the start of the new league year because there's no way that the Packers want Devontae Adams carrying a $20 million cap charge into the beginning of the 2022 league season. So I I would expect the deal gets done. There's no way that Aaron Rodgers would sign up for another season or four more seasons in Green Bay without making sure that Devontae was good not just in 2022, but for the foreseeable future. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think so anyways. It certainly wouldn't be smart for him to have signed up to stay without them having that figured out because – Well, like maybe we that's said, why that's, Aaron Rodgers said he didn't sign a contract yet. Maybe that's why he's saying he's not getting an extension done yet. Maybe he wants to see that. Okay, but you're waiting until the deadline where they had to then tag Adams. I mean, it seems strange. Like, they didn't have to tag Adams. They could have worked out a deal with both of them. I agree with you, Amber. I think Aaron Rodgers has been incredibly selfish in all of this. But, I mean, surprise, surprise, water is wet. Aaron Rodgers is selfish. That's not breaking news. I'm just saying that now we're starting to hear about Devontae Adams and the Packers working toward getting a long-term deal done. But I'm pretty sure that Devontae didn't have any interest in doing that until he knew exactly what Aaron was going to do because there's no way he wants to remain in Green Bay on a franchise tag with Jordan Love as his quarterback. Yeah, it just seems strange to me that if your main concern was Devontae Adams' deal that you would have taken up until the franchise tag deadline to make your decision. Well, but that wasn't his main concern. That wasn't his main concern. We know what his main concern was. He wants to make the organization sweat as much as possible because he doesn't like the way that they made him feel Two years ago, when he was in the dark, when they drafted Jordan Love. That's what it all came down to for me. And that's why I say it's incredibly selfish. Because you're talking about players' football futures being in the balance while you while you take your time making a decision. Well, you mentioned him, Jordan Love. So what happens to Jordan Love's future and several other quarterbacks now around the NFL? The dominoes should fall. That's next. This is ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. ESPN Radio. We finally know where Aaron Rodgers is going to play football, and it's the same place we've seen him play football all these years. Aaron Rodgers. He is staying in Green Bay, Wisconsin. This is ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. So there's a guy who's been sitting behind him, Chris Canty, who... Of course, there was much made when the Green Bay Packers drafted Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers reportedly very upset about it. Maybe it's why Aaron Rodgers has taken the last six weeks of his sweet time here to tell us that he's staying in Green Bay because he still kind of wants to stick it to the organization. He's saying that he made nice with the organization. Maybe he still enjoys 
making that front office sweat it out a little bit. Mm -hmm. But now the question becomes, what do they do with Jordan Love? Because they know Aaron Rodgers is locked in. He's locked in well until his 40s. So he's not going anywhere for seemingly at least the next four years. What do you do with Jordan Love? You drafted him really high. We have no idea how good he is. We haven't gotten to see much from him yet. I think we've seen two games as a starter from Jordan Love. Do the Packers need to move on? Yeah, I think the Packers need to move on. I mean, the reports are with Aaron Rodgers' contract extension that he's going to be sticking around Green Bay for the next four years. So that pretty much eats up the entirety of Jordan Love's rookie contract. And so you might as well see if you can trade him and get some value out of him, bring back an asset that can in turn help Aaron Rodgers, you know, accomplish his goal of being able to enhance his legacy by competing for more championships. I I don't understand what would be the point of keeping Jordan Love around knowing that you could potentially get some draft pick compensation for him. Now, we know they're not going to get the return on investment that they had in putting a late first-round pick in in Jordan Love, but it's not outside of the realm of possibility that you could be talking about a late second-round pick or a third-round pick for Jordan Love. I get it. It's a relatively small sample size, but we saw a small sample size when it came to Jimmy Garoppolo, and the San Francisco 49ers saw enough to send New England a second-round pick for Jimmy G. So I I could see a world where Jordan Love is a quarterback that uh, a team around the National Football League that's going to miss out on Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson decides they're going to go that direction rather than going into the draft and spending a first-round pick on a quarterback. Quarterbacks are always coveted in this league. 23-year-old quarterbacks who were first-round picks are always coveted in this league because of the potential There's that's there, but that's what you're buying is potential. And frankly, I don't know how much you're going to be willing to give up for that potential in return because, like I said, we haven't seen much from Jordan Love when he has been out there. I don't think any of us have been impressed by what we have seen, but that doesn't necessarily negate the potential that is there. It's just that if you believed that he really was going to be amazing, y'all to kind of think that maybe the Packers would have seen that sort of like they did with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and obviously they have been uh, really committed to trying to keep Aaron Rodgers so maybe that says a little something about what they've seen thus far from Jordan Love behind the scenes and so I don't know how attractive he is but I do know there's always of course value in, in that position so somebody's going to be willing to give up something for Jordan Love I will say Chris though I have a bit of an interesting take on the Jordan Love thing because I actually think that in hindsight when we look at this whole picture and everybody can say well it was totally unnecessary for the Packers to have drafted Love except for you know you draft Love and then you get an MVP season out of Aaron Rodgers and then you get another MVP season out of Aaron Rodgers and sure you've gotten a lot of drama with it but you certainly have seemed to have motivated even maybe with anger Aaron Rodgers ultimately and we've gotten the last couple years that we've gotten from him while Jordan Love's been sitting behind him. Well, it's a good problem to have if you're Brian Gutekunst. And even though Aaron Rodgers made you sweat it out the last couple of years, you're talking about getting MVP quarterback play. If I had to burn a first-round pick in drafting a successor in order to motivate Aaron to get this level of play out of him, then so be it as long as I make sure that I have the rights to Aaron Rodgers for the foreseeable future, which seemingly they have with the reports of this contract extension. But as far as Jordan Love is concerned, the only thing that I will push back on you with as far as the Packers making a commitment to Aaron Rodgers is before they drafted Jordan Love, if you look at the productivity from Aaron Rodgers and you look at the health concerns that Aaron Rodgers had in a couple of seasons prior to them drafting Jordan Love, you could understand why they thought Aaron Rodgers was at the end of his career. 
they didn't see this resurgence that we got the last couple of seasons playing at an MVP-type level. So I'm not going to be overly critical of Jordan Love and what we've seen from him, and I'm also not going to be critical of the Packers organization for making that decision. I think the only part of this where it's fair to criticize them for is the fact that they didn't communicate that to Aaron Rodgers, and I think that's where the rift between the player and the organization started. But as far as Jordan Love's value, I do think you'll be able to get a mid-round pick for Jordan Love, and if that's something that the Packers can then turn into a player that can help Aaron Rodgers over the life of this contract extension that he's poised to sign, then that's a good decision for the organization, and it also paves the way for Jordan Love to have an opportunity to be a starter in the National Football League. I do think that one day he will maybe get that opportunity. It certainly won't be with the Green Bay Packers, it appears. Joel Embiid has been, of course, getting an opportunity and dominating in the NBA. We'll have a discussion about how the 76ers are looking. Are they the best team in the East right now? But first, do you want to streamline your hiring for the springtime? Then you need Indeed. The powerful hiring platform that allows you to attract, screen, and interview candidates all from one place Just sponsor a post and you'll instantly receive a list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Invite them to apply and you can even schedule and conduct interviews all from your employer dashboard. See why Indeed delivers four times more hires than any other job site according to Talent Nest. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. So, of course, the big news of the day is out of the NFL with Aaron Rodgers. He's staying in Green Bay. Russell Wilson, he's headed to Denver. But we have to acknowledge what's happening in the NBA. And notably, Chris, what's happening with Joel Embiid in the NBA because that dude is balling. 43 points, 14 boards, two assists last night as the Sixers worked the Bulls 121-106. to And when Harden and Embiid are out there together, that team looks pretty darn unstoppable. Chris Canty, are they the best team in the East? Yeah, I think they're the best team in the East. And although their depth concerns me a little bit in the minutes that they're asking James Harden and Joel Embiid to play down the stretch has to be a little bit of an eyebrow raiser. I just look at what they're capable of doing when those guys are playing their best basketball and and seeing the bind that they put opposing defenses in when they get into that high pick and roll, Amber. I don't know that there are a lot of teams out there that are going to be able to have answers for it. The Miami Heat are one of the best defensive teams in all of basketball. So are the Boston Celtics. I don't know that they have the pieces in order to be able to slow down what James Harden and Joel Embiid bring to the table. If you look at what Embiid did in that third quarter against the Bulls, you're talking about a six-point game at halftime. Embiid exploded for 19 points in that third quarter. In that same third quarter, James Harden had four assists. So it just goes to show you that James Harden facilitates Embiid's greatness. He sets the big man up so he can be able to make plays and he can be able to score the basketball with efficiency. And then the emergence of Tyrese Maxey as that third guy, that third scorer, because he was the one that closed the show in the fourth quarter with 13 points. It's just really impressive to see what the Philadelphia Sixers offense has become. Now, we know under Doc Rivers, they're going to play good defense. They've been a great defensive team all year long, but now you've got an offense that that is you know, as dynamic as any offense in the NBA, and it's just going to be hard to slow down a guy that's playing at an MVP pace. I mean, that was the fourth 
40-plus point, 10-plus rebound game by Joel Embiid this season. There have been three other guys that have had as many in the history of the NBA since the merger. And all three of those guys finished in the top two of MVP voting. So it just seems like Joel Embiid is poised to win the MVP this year. And James Harden seemingly has taken him to another level by being able to do what he does best, which is set guys up. So it's going to be a tough out for anybody in the Eastern Conference. I know that Milwaukee is the defending champs. I get it. I know that the Miami Heat are in the pole position in the Eastern Conference. But it's hard to ignore what this Philadelphia Sixers team is doing. And three games back of Miami, it's not outside of the realm of possibility that you could be talking about Philadelphia closing the gap and having that number one seed in the East. I mean, it's outside of the realm of possibility. And let me tell you why. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Go ahead and get your Miami Heat pom-poms out here. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and put my Miami Heat hat on. This is not the most uh, objective analysis that you're going to get on ESPN Radio when it comes to breaking down the Miami Heat. But I give you the floor. I'm not trying to take anything away from what Embiid has, has been doing. I mean, he is my front runner as well for MVP, although I, I do think Jokic has something to say about that. And I know John Morant's trying to enter the conversation. My concern with the 76ers is actually defensively, because when Embiid is not out there, even with Harden out there, defensively, the numbers are actually very ugly. So there are some problems there and some problems with rim protection. But yep. the Miami Heat have a very healthy lead in the East, as you mentioned, Chris Canty. And the thing is with the Miami Heat is they haven't been getting the publicity that the 76ers have been getting, but they have been doing it all season long, dominating the Eastern Conference, sitting atop the conference basically the entire season, and they've been doing it incredibly shorthanded. I don't know if people realize that if you're not tuned in right now to Miami Heat basketball. Jimmy Butler has not been having a good season, and we know players like Jimmy who are vets will turn it up in the postseason. No he doubt. has not been having a very good season. Kyle Lowry statistically has not been having actually a a very good season for him and yet they're still sitting atop the east they have the sixth man of the year in tyler here i'm gonna go ahead and call it now he's winning that bucket. award he was he's a, a walking, walking bucket. bucket. <laughs> Bam is unbelievable right now. He is dominating. And then you got back Victor Oladipo last night. And I have zero expectations with Oladipo because I haven't seen him play significant basketball since, what, 2019? Nevertheless, he he's still, yeah, he still he gave you 11 points, four of seven shooting. Like, I was not one who was out here in Miami Heatland talking about how Oladipo is going to make a big difference. And yet he looked good last night. And that just goes to their depth as a team. That Miami Heat team, I think, is far better than anybody nationally is willing to give them credit for. Agreed. And until the 76ers have something to say otherwise, now I understand also that he just beat the Sixers, but they did it without Harden out there. But yeah. until the 76ers tell me otherwise, right now I do think the Heat deserve to be that team that we call the favorites right now, the best team in the East. Amber, I want to issue a correction on that. That stat I gave out about Embiid, 40-plus points, 10-plus rebounds. Not four games. It is 10 games this season of 40-plus points and 10-plus rebounds. And, of course, three other players have done that in NBA history, and those three other players finished top two in MVP voting. Russell Westbrook is included amongst that group. So is James Harden. But it's just really impressive to see what Embiid is doing, and that's the thing that worries me about the Miami Heat. I know that they are the model of consistency, but if we're being honest about how NBA teams approach the regular season – there's a difference in terms of the consistency. There's more variance in terms of the effort level that you get on a night-in and night-out basis. You don't really have that when it comes to Eric Spolstra and a Pat Riley-led Miami Heat team. So it's a different story once we get into the postseason. 
and every game is essentially win or go home, I don't know that they have the firepower on the offensive end to be able to keep pace with some of those other teams in the East. Teams like the Milwaukee Bucks, teams like the Philadelphia 76ers. That's my biggest reservation when it comes to the Miami Because Heat. they don't have the superstar. And I get it. Objectively speaking, I understand where you're coming from. Typically, the teams with the superstars, they take it up a notch in the postseason. Yep. So you're not necessarily getting their best product in the regular season. I don't know if Joel Embiid like take Boston, it up a notch. Even a right? team like Boston is scary to me just because you got a guy like Jason Tatum that can go for 50 on any given night. And Jalen Brown ain't too far behind from him in that. There is nobody on that Miami Heat team that's capable of doing that. Nobody. Well, I think we're giving a little disrespect here to Jimmy Butler because we saw Jimmy Butler do it. In okay. the finals, in okay. the bubble against LeBron and the Lakers. Okay. Now, Kevin, obviously, right. then they okay. fell on their face the next game. Okay. The, the thing is, though, the only ca- the counterpoint, I will say, the counter argument to your point is, although I agree with the overarching principle that typically teams, the superstars, they take it up a level. They don't care as much about the regular season. That's essentially what we're saying here. They take it up a notch in the postseason, except for, like I said, the Miami Heat have been playing uh, short-staffed all season long, and they have not at all been getting their best product out of their players. So really it's not even that Jimmy Butler win, has to take it really up. Really impressive win by the Miami Heat in Barclays last Thursday against the Brooklyn Nets in Kevin Durant's return because they didn't have Kyle Lowry, so. no Jimmy Butler, no P.J. Tucker, and they still found they a still way to win that job. game. Shout out to Bam out of bio because he came game. through big on that one. That's what I'm saying. They are the quintessential team. The sum like is, greater, the sum is greater than the parts. I'm just going to say that about the Miami Heat. They're a fun bunch to watch. I don't expect that they're going to compete for an NBA title. I don't even like, think they're going to make it out of the Eastern Conference. I'm just saying. Uh, oh, my goodness. All right. Well, we're, we have to transition back to the NFL because of all of the huge news coming out of the NFL. We also got the huge news yesterday of Calvin Ridley's suspension. We will react to that. That's next. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. ESPN Radio. It is International Women's Day, Chris Canty. So, of course, with International Women's Day, we need to celebrate female athletes. And I'm going to ask you, what? who is your favorite? Let's start off here because I need to know who is Chris Canty's favorite female athlete. Let's go all-time any sport globally. This is going to surprise you, Amber, but my favorite female athlete all-time, favorite woman athlete, Flojo. Florence Griffith Joyner, the sprinter in the 1988 Olympics. She had, what, three gold medals and one silver medal? I mean, just really impressive. She set a world record in a 100-meter dash, running a 10-4-900 meters. Now, I don't know if a lot of folks out there have a track background, but if you run 10-4 in 100, you are rolling. And so just the ability that she had as an athlete, but then the style, the swag that she had even back in 88 – with the the hair and the long nails, just being her authentic self and being unapologetic about it, that was, to me, the most impressive part about it. That's what made me gravitate toward her. Just watching her do her thing on the Olympic stage, on the world stage, uh, makes her my favorite woman athlete of all time. I can respect that. I don't know sprinter is is where I expected you to go, but that's why I kind of wanted to open Speed up kills. this one wide, right? Because I, I do think like there's a lot of athletes out there in sports that we don't necessarily think of, like the Lindsey Vons of the world you could have on that list. There's mm-hmm. there's one a bunch of female tennis players that would be on that list for me. Serena, though, would be at the top. And Serena would be at the top for me. I think of all female athletes. 
just because also of the the tenure of her dominance here, Chris Canty. I mean, she has been a top 10 player. I think she first became a top 10 player in the world in 1999. I don't know if people realize how long she has been that dominant in that game. And let's be honest, she completely changed the face of that game. She changed the play, the face of how that game was played and what that game looks like. And she has battled through a lot of adversity. I think the thing that made me fall most in love with Serena Williams, and this is maybe such the female perspective, but her winning titles when she was out there pregnant at the beginning of her pregnancy, I think she was eight weeks pregnant when she won a Grand Slam, which is actually really, really difficult. Yes. I don't know if, I mean, men can't relate, but like eight weeks doesn't sound like far into your pregnancy. That first trimester is so unbelievably difficult. And then we know that she went on to have a really, you know, difficult and tumultuous time with with, uh, her pregnancy and with childbirth. So it's just an unbelievable athlete. And then working her way back from that. But credit to all the women today on International Women's Day. We salute you across the world of sports. We're done talking about Miami Heat, though. We're going to have to move on. We have to talk about Hotlanta for a second, but not good news out of Atlanta. Of course, Calvin Ridley, we got the news yesterday that he has been suspended by the NFL for gambling for at least a year, Chris Canty. He apparently, he he said on Twitter that he had bet $1,500. We were hearing that it was a parlay bet. He did bet on the Atlanta Falcons, not against his team. It was while he was away from his team. But here's my question for you. Do you think Calvin Ridley, because it seems like his time with the Falcons is probably going to be up. Do you think that he, we are going to see him again playing in the NFL? Is he going to get another shot to be a starter at some point in the NFL? Or do you think that this is going to end up costing him his NFL career? No, I think he gets another shot in the NFL. And there's clear precedence in the NFL. Like when guys decide that they're going to bet on NFL games, the suspension is around a year. And then he'll have the opportunity to apply for reinstatement, and that'll be at the discretion of Roger Goodell. But I'll always bet on talent. And although his time with the Atlanta Falcons is probably up, as you mentioned, the $11 million salary that he had in 2022 is going to toll till 2023, but the guarantees are voided because of the suspension. So it makes it easy for the Falcons to cut ties with him if they so choose. But Calvin Ridley is a top-notch wide receiver. I mean, any NFL team would love to have him on their squad. Maybe he's not a number one on every single team, but he certainly can be a number two on every single team. And so, you know, a guy that's a first-round talent, highly productive player through his first four seasons in the National Football League, I would be surprised if he doesn't get another opportunity. But again, I don't quite know where the NFL is going to stand in terms of providing a pathway for him to get back into the lead, given the nature of of why he's being suspended because we know that sports gambling is one of those things that threatens to undermine the credibility of the entertainment product, especially if you have players and or coaches participating in it. It does uh, stand to undermine it, of course, particularly if you could be in a situation where you're having players throw games. And typically that situation would arise when it's a player involved in a game and also betting against his team, right? But here Ridley was away from his game and not involved. Now, could he have used inside information from the Falcons in order to help himself in terms of whatever bet he was placing? The answer to that is yes. But that's more of an integrity of the betting issue than an integrity of 
of the game issue. Now, I do understand if you're the NFL, you can't allow any of it. And frankly, the NFL now is, let's be honest, partners with, you know, all of these gambling products and they're promoting it as well. And gambling's becoming legalized across the country, state by state. So now the NFL also has a reason to protect the integrity of the betting as well. It's sort of like this strange world we're living in where now they have to protect the integrity of the game, which they've always had to protect. And that's a basic principle. And you also are protecting the integrity of the gambling because you don't want all your, you know, that's, that's one reason I would imagine Chris Canty, why these sports books and whatnot work with the NFL when they come up with the technology and their whatever app Calvin Ridley used to place these bets. And then they're reporting it to the NFL because all those partnerships are in works right now. And from, from the sports book perspective, you don't want players using inside information to win a bunch of money either on the gambling side. So you're kind of trying to protect the ing- the integrity of all of it. But the concern is, of course, as it's always been, if players are betting on games, then there's a slippery slope there for them to get involved in throwing games. And then we end up in a world where the NFL scripted and nobody can trust it. And you've just catapulted your entire product. Yeah. You turned yourself into the WWE. And that's what the NFL which is trying to people bet on the avoid. WWE, by the way, which is uh, a very, well, very just, odd I'm side. Saying, I'm side just bargain. saying it, 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 it takes away the, I guess, the, the unknown or the un- the indeterminate outcome. I think that's the biggest part of why we love sports, just not knowing what could potentially happen next. And when you have players that are openly betting on the sport that they're playing in, when you start to have those questionable calls from the officials or you start to look at players making those bonehead mistakes or making that drop that's inexplainable, that's uncharacteristic, it calls into question the integrity of the game, and that's the last thing the NFL can afford. Now, I get your point about protecting the integrity of – gambling but to me the integrity of the game the outcome of the game and the integrity of gambling are hand in glove I I don't know how you separate the two given how closely linked they are and the NFL owners interest in these sports gambling apps and the sports gambling uh, companies so I, I just I don't necessarily know that it's a situation where This is the most egregious thing that we've seen an NFL player do, but when it comes to affecting the entertainment product, I can understand why the NFL reacts in the fashion that it did yesterday with levying that suspension against Calvin Ridley in hopes that this would be a uh, uh, deterrent moving forward for for players. Uh, And so I understand it, but the thing I will also acknowledge, Amber, in all of this is that Calvin Ridley ain't the only NFL player betting on NFL games. Like the likelihood of that is 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 far fetched. Like I, I'm not gonna sit here and be naive and think that that's the case. But it's just that NFL players, other guys that potentially betting on NFL games, they're doing it through different avenues. Maybe they're using family members to do it. Maybe they're using friends to do it. But that's how they're engaging in it. They're not signing up on an app on their phone and doing it under, under their own, own name, name and, under and your gambling, own name, and gambling, under your own and phone betting number. on their own team. So I, I just think that that's. That's something that the NFL has to deal with now. This is is a new era in the National Football League. They looked at gambling as a revenue stream that they wanted to add to their bottom line. Goodell had the goal of making the National Football League a $25 billion business by 2025, and they're well on their way. And gambling is a huge part of that revenue stream, that growth in in the sport from a financial standpoint. But this is the downside to it. You're going to have to regulate it, and that means that you have to work with these 
these sports gambling companies. You have to work with these sports books in order to make sure that there are checks and balances in place to be able to catch guys that are in and around your sport that might be privy to inside information and making sure that they're not using that information to gain a competitive advantage when it comes to betting on the sport. Yeah, and my point was that everybody has a vested interest in maintaining the integrity of both the game and of the gambling at this point because you don't want players to be able to use that inside information to their advantage either way. And that's, of course, what is going to happen here with Calvin Ridley. He is going to be the example and that he is being made an example of. I think from the fan perspective, what Calvin Ridley Here's the thing, Amber, and I hate to cut you off. Here's the thing. If you're Calvin Ridley, why are you trying to defend the indefensible? Why? Why are you on Twitter when the suspension is going public and the NFL is releasing a statement? Why are you saying, yeah, I only bet $1,500, but I know I was wrong, but a year, though? Why are you putting that out there? That, that, well, that's, not gonna people- help, that's not going to help your case when you go to apply for reinstatement in Roger Goodell in a year from now. That doesn't help things. Well, I think a lot of people are looking around the league and and seeing what some other guys have done and been suspended for less, and there's always that comparison. But from the NFL's perspective, of course, maintaining the integrity of the game is of the utmost important, for better or for worse. More ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Chris Canty next.